what is up you beautiful human hello and welcome back to the raw real and vulnerable podcast with me your host beck antonucci oh my fucking good god fam i am back on path and base soil let's fucking go if you have been tuning along to my instagram you will know that i've been talking about contrast my clients have been in the experience of contrast literally me being back in perth was a full embodied and felt experience of contrast. It removed me from my alignment, from my aliveness. It put me back to what I left, the boredom, the monotony, the what I thought was a beautiful glass cage, all of a sudden became a glass cage filled and fueled by annoyance of how much I had tolerated. I mean, fan, I lived in the same fucking house for six and a half years. I bitch, it was time to spread your wings and soar. Thank fucking God you left that place. You were so bored, Rebecca. And the contrast of returning just really amplified my knowing that I had made a choice that was so in alignment with the truth that was trying to scream from within that I had been suppressing and pushing down and trying to avoid and trying to not hear and trying to talk out and trying to logic my way through. But ultimately, the truth that I knew that I had to honor felt so acknowledged in the contrast of the return back to Perth that I thought would only be a two-day trip that actually became two weeks. So I'm so fucking grateful to be back in Indonesia. I am on a breathwork retreat for seven days. New Year's last year, I met this incredible man, Brian Kelly, and he does this breathwork. I'm not usually fully aligned with breathwork. In fact, I kind of don't like it until I did his 9D breathwork and it blew my mind. And this year I thought, how do I want to upskill? Last year I did a full master coach certification. What is it that I'm really interested in? And because this actually created so much profound impact within me in that experience and also another time that I sat with him and I actually had this beautiful awareness and realization come up and through me around money and my father wound, that I thought to myself, this is in Bali in two and a half weeks. I'm a last minute ticket purchaser. There's still space. I'm going to be in Bali in two and a half weeks. Let's fucking go. This could be an experience. This could be a real gift for Rebecca. So my intention is to learn. And my intention is also to be able to heal any part of me that isn't fully open to surrendering and or living from an open, unguarded, kind, loving, generous heart. That's my intention going in. So I cannot wait to share with you what I receive on the other side of this very intensive seven days. I've seen the schedule. It's like 6 a.m. till 9 p.m., seven days a week. So, mate, just get ready for Rebecca Antonucci 10.0 to come through on the other side of this. But today I'm bringing to you an incredible guest who has met before, my nervous system mentor, Carrie Azuma. And I bring Carrie in to guest speak in all of my programs, specifically True Transformation, to teach women about the nervous system and holding our boundaries. Boundaries is such a huge conversation I have with so many women in my audience, in my community, in my programs. And Carrie actually said to me, taught to me that boundaries are the most triggering and activating thing that our nervous system can hold, which is why it is so hard and so difficult and so challenging for women to hold and uphold our boundaries. So if you're looking to embody an even deeper level of integrity with yourself, with your truth, with your boundaries, if you're looking to be able to hold them with conviction and certainty and confidence, if you are looking to be able to speak them with confidence, conviction and certainty, 
this is the podcast episode for you. I hope that you love listening to it just as much as I loved recording it. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it to your story and tag both myself and Carrie because we will love connecting with you. This is one and all of an episode. Strap yourself in. Let's fucking go. All right. Fam, I am back with someone that we have already had on the show, someone that I am working close personally and very intimately with, the amazing Carrie Azuma. Welcome back to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Yay, it's so awesome to be back. Thank you for having me. Mm. Now, I'm in a deep container one-on-one with you at the moment as you support me to be able to create deeper safety within my own nervous system. And I know many of my listeners have already heard who you are and what you do in the world. So if they want to really experience even more of you, they can dive back into our last podcast. But short elevator pitch so we can dive into all things boundaries today. Who is Carrie Azuma and what is it that you do in the world? Yes, we're going to make it short so we can get it to the good stuff. <laughs> Carrie Azuma, if you haven't heard of me, I have been in the growth and development industry for 12 years. I am trained in embodied leadership. It's what I've done this whole time. But I really stepped into a deeper space of what embodiment is, how to hold greater capacity to step into the unknown when I really started studying the nervous system and how the nervous system interacts with our perception of what's safe and what's not safe. And based on that degree of safety, we will lead as powerfully as we feel safe. So basically, if we are not accessing our nervous system when it comes to our leadership, then we're going to be held back in these little ways that we can't quite figure out. So I really help people deep dive into what are these ways we've learned to stay safe? How are they the ones that are outdated still kind of getting in the way? How do we create new safety to move those aside so that women can lead really powerfully. So it's a little different than some of the nervous system work out there that's, you know, more acute, where it's like we're doing things to help our nervous system once it's already activated, which are fabulous. This is more getting to the root level of how to speak to our nervous system and why our nervous system is experiencing threat in the first place. So it's a really powerful place to play. Mm. So for any woman listening who was like, oh, leadership, I don't class myself as a leader. Is this conversation not relevant to me? What would you say to that? I would say leadership is relevant to anybody. And I love redefining what leadership is for women because it can be raising your family. It can be maintaining relationship. I mean, really every domain of our life, we can choose to lead or we can choose to sort of follow behind what we think we need to do. But there's leadership in every aspect of life. And there's a lot more I can say about that. (laughs) This is my Instagram because I have a lot to say about that. But no, leadership is really just about how we powerfully embody the truth of who we are and how we came to do what we came to do on earth and how powerfully we can do that. Mm. I love that conversation. I was saying that to one of my masterclasses last night where they were like, oh, but I'm not a coach on the internet. I'm not an influencer. Therefore, I'm not a leader. Whereas I believe that we're all the brave leader of our own lives. Absolutely. I 100% aligned with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I've had you as a guest speaker in my courses before. I'm obviously working with you. A conversation that comes up so frequently with all of my audience essentially is boundaries and how difficult boundaries can be to know what they are, to be able to communicate with them, communicate them to others, to be able to uphold them, to be able to lean back into courageous conversation when a boundary is crossed, to really know how to navigate this conversation. And I've never seen anyone speak about boundaries in the way in which you do that connects boundaries and the nervous system which is why I really wanted to get you on today. 
So I guess my first question for you, Carrie, is why are boundaries such a challenging conversation for women? Yeah, great question. First of all, you know, a boundary, just sort of set a context of what even is a boundary. It's really about how we use our voice in order to enact power, right? You know, not power to like reign over people, to like be a dictator, but to really empower our experience of connection. And this is something a lot of people miss about boundaries is they think like, oh, boundaries is like sort of this wall you have to put up. And it's, you know, this limitation that people have to abide by. And it becomes sort of this like line, you know, that you want to draw in the sand. And essentially it could be looked at like that. But boundaries are actually one of the most connecting things you can do in human relationship and leadership because they're basically agreements, right? You're letting people know what works, what doesn't work. There's clarity of, actually, this is going too far for me, but here's what I can do. I mean, if you think about someone who really knows their boundary and can really state their boundary clearly and with confidence, it's like, hey, do you want to go stay at this hotel room? It's in downtown. It's really cool. Actually, I really want to get to bed at a certain hour, and that doesn't really work for me. So I'm going to stay down the road and have my own place. But you guys have a great time. You know, Mm -hmm. that can be such a difficult conversation for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. But when someone really knows what they need, how they want to say what they need and can enact that, there's got to be a certain degree of safety in their system, some sort of confidence to be able to say, hey, this is what I want. And women in particular, just collectively, societally, we have not as a collective been taught to really be initiated enough into our own power Mm. to say what our desires are, to Mm. say like, this is what I want to do. And this all kind of goes back to the social nervous system, you know, polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges, I won't get into the whole background of it, but you know. Can you share a tiny little bit of context when you say social nervous system for the listeners? Yeah, Absolutely. Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory is really about the evolution of our nervous system kind of growing this branch called the social nervous system. And that is about how we gather into tribe and belonging and sort of coordinate ourselves in action with other people, Mm -hmm. which didn't really need to come online in humanity until much later in our evolution, but it did. And so it produced these different responses that when we're in threat, we can enact, which is called fit in or fawn. They're sort of in the same club. Mm-hmm. But a fawning response is sort of acquiescing your own needs mm-hmm. in order to belong or like quieting your voice, giving away your power in some way so that you stay safe, so that you stay in tribe, so you stay in belonging. But of course, you know, that protection, that way of staying safe isn't going to always fully satisfy your life experience. Mm -hmm. And so that does something funky for you. And it does something funky for someone on the other side of it, because now you're sort of living in an expectation of like, okay, well, I really need this person to fulfill on what's going to make me feel good. But if you can't say what that is, Then resentment starts coming in of like, oh, well, they're not doing what I like, so I don't like them or I'm going to break relationship with them. But the degree to which we can be powerful enough to step into, okay, you know, like, here's what works for me. Here's what doesn't. Here's the needs that I met. Here's what I desire. The the power we can sort of conjure up in ourselves from building enough safety to do that can build so much connection in your relationships and help you coordinate action for things that... Mm -hmm are in bigger leadership roles, right? So 
I hope that all makes sense. Yeah, I love that. And I guess the next question is, you've referenced the word safety so much. So for any woman who's listening who thinks, well, there isn't actually perceived threat. Like there's no harm. There's no physical danger. Maybe I'm sitting in front of Carrie and she's 15 minutes late to the podcast. And my standard is that we be on time. And so then I'm like, oh my God, Carrie's never late. This FYI. Bex, like this is an example. And I think to myself, I get to set this boundary. Hey, Carrie, I've noticed you're actually late frequently and I really love to be on time. Do you think the next time that we organize a call or a meeting or a podcast, you're able to be there at the time that we arrange? And all of a sudden, all this guard, all this fear comes up of, I don't think I can communicate this thing to Carrie, but underlying, I'm getting so resentful, so mad. She's never on time. She's always late. We said 7 a.m. Why is she here at 7.15? There literally is no physical and or perceived emotional threat, maybe. Why is the conversation around safety? Yeah, great. Let's dive into safety a little bit. Because safety, it really is subjective for every human being. We all have a different experience of how we were raised, what we were taught is safe or unsafe. It may be really safe for you to make demands, but in a way that disconnects relationship, or maybe you're just very comfortable making demands in one area of your life, like work. But when it comes to the bedroom, you're like frozen, like I cannot ask for anything in the bedroom sexually. So it's really subjective. We really have to take into account our experiences. And this is sort of the work I do, as you know, like really looking at what is our individual experience of how we learn safety. And a lot of the times when we're stepping forward to use our voice to say what does or doesn't work for us, how an agreement, how we would like something to go, what our conditions might be for satisfaction, we can really kind of be stopped by a core wound of some sort. And usually the core wounds that I play with are abandonment, rejection, or betrayal. You know, we're usually playing in one of those a little more than another, and that can change from time to time. We can work all of them. But like my core wound, I would say, would be rejection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in my own study of my nervous system and like sort of my homeostasis of how I stay safe, because rejection is the core wound that I work with a lot, I'm always kind of looking at, oh, if I say this, will I not be liked? Mm -hmm. And then in my nervous system, being liked can feel like life or death. Like If I'm not liked, what does that mean? This person is going to maybe talk about me to somebody else or I'm going to be slandered or I'm not going to be validated in who I am because now all of a sudden someone is saying like I'm not good enough. Self-doubt is true. Like everything I've doubted about myself is true, right? There's so much at stake mm. when we're making certain requests. And you know, it's really strange because like when I go into places where I sort of get stuck or frozen and being able to say if something's okay with me or not, it's always in the strangest places. Mm -hmm. It's not really in these places you'd think where it's like, you know, because I can powerfully state boundaries to my clients. I can powerfully make a contract, right? I can say what works and doesn't work with my husband very easily. But when it comes to friendships or mothering, mm -hmm. those are where I find the little holes where I still like go, whoa, I just went into a fawning response. My throat just closed up. I just wanted to say something, and I was so afraid that this person was going to judge me, and that felt like life or death in that moment. And so our bodies can be accustomed to very strange things, and that's why I'm saying this is subjective, because we all need to have boundaries to have healthy lives, right? People-pleasing, overgiving, 
feeling resentment, being in constant judgment to protect yourself. These are things like many of us experience, right? But the reasons that we go into that is because there's some fear underlying the places where we can't say what we actually need and what is actually okay for us. Mm. And I mean, if you just look at the history of women of like the Me Too movement and all of the ways in which power gets wielded in funky ways, you'll see evidence of this everywhere. Sometimes there's like an actual fear for a good reason, right? Maybe you may be in danger or you're getting sexually assaulted. And in that moment to use your voice is actually truly dangerous, Mm -hmm. you know, or the perception of it is. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually a predator in the room. Mm -hmm. But then there's times where we're like, you know, our best friend's over and she's like, can my daughter just borrow your dress? And you're like, well, that's her favorite dress. It was given to her by her grandmother, but I don't want to upset this person. I'm just meeting her. It's our first play date, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shit like that. Um, or it's like, sure. And then something happens in your body where your stomach clenches and all of a sudden she leaves and you're like, oh, she annoyed me today. Mm. There's some slight judgment or some story that starts to emerge because in some way you feel taken from, right? Like mm. you feel like somebody took something from you. But it wasn't that they took from you. You had a moment where it felt so scary Mm -hmm. to really say like, oh, yeah, because the threat was actually bigger than what your body could produce as far as words go. Mm. And when that starts to create the rupture in relationship, because obviously then it builds resentment. All the unspoken things that went on for 12 months with Jake and I, because I didn't feel safe within my own nervous system to communicate the truth that I was experiencing or carries like frequently and Beck doesn't have the courage because it's a rejection wound that Beck carries of like, hey, but Carrie, and what if she leaves me? So then when the resentment starts to build, whether it's Beck at Jake, Beck at Carrie, are we really mad at others? Are we truly angry? Like, oh, Carrie's always like, Jake never listens to me, or he doesn't know the thing that's going on in my head. Are we really angry at ourselves? Are we angry at our past? Are we angry at all three? It could be any of the three. (laughs) It really depends on the situation, right? You know, like sometimes there's a time where you may say like, hey, that doesn't work for me. Please don't do that. Mm -hmm. And and they push, right? Like, well, it's just this one time. Or let's say like somebody comes over and you're like, please hard line on no drinking because Mm -hmm. we have kids around or something, right? And then they come over and they just bring a little wine cooler. They're like, it's just one wine cooler. Like the kids won't notice. And inside it's like, mm-hmm. You know, and and you say, like, listen, I really want to hold a hard line around that. And then they push again. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes it's like we have to conjure up a little bit of fight energy because we're trying to relay it from this like really calm place. But in that situation, it's like, well, someone is actually pushing against you. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you have to conjure a little bit of healthy fight energy to meet their fight and say, Mm -hmm. I have to hold a hard no. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not listening to me, please don't do this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you know, and then that, that's when the stakes get higher, right? Because mm-hmm. so, uh, many times in that situation, people won't push back. They'll say, oh, okay, well, whatever, just let it go. And then you're just seething inside, like, damn it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're right. Most of the time, the seething, yes, it's directed toward them, but it's because we're so frustrated with ourselves that we couldn't reach that next level mm-hmm. of holding, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the, what I want to really relate to people listening is it's not necessarily our fault, mm-hmm. right? We're not consciously trying to let go of our boundary. It's that there's some threat that is larger, right, that is getting bigger than your breath. It's like when you start to lose that equilibrium inside of you of like, I can hold, I can hold, I can hold 
And holding your boundary is the hardest part. That's what I teach women to build a body for. Mm. Because so many of us, because we're not initiated into healthy power as young women and taught healthy power as young women, Mm. we are not taught how to do that. We're taught Mm. to be polite. We're taught to let it go. We're taught to be good girls. Mm -hmm. And so there's this place in which we're like, okay, this is the point at which I can hold and now I have to acquiesce. Mm -hmm. And now you're freaking pissed. Mm -hmm. And you're pissed at that person for making you acquiesce. But then inside it, you're breaking some sort of standard with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel weird inside. Like you're crossing yourself. And in a way you are, right? You're letting go of what's actually true for you. So guess what happens in that instance? It starts to bring trust with yourself. Mm. And so that's where self-trust starts to get a little bit ground down. And then the next time that happens, you may not feel as strong to hold for as long. So really, like when you're working with your nervous system in this context, it's like, how can I actually use my breath, use my body, be able to actually tend to the fear inside of me so that I can really stay, I can really stay put I can really hold that boundary and the fear and the threat doesn't override that. Mm. Does that make sense? It is that time again, but is it your time now? Are you ready to unlock the most fully expressed you? This August, join me and my incredible support team as we support you to break free from shame, break through unworthiness and connect so deeply within to the truth of who you are so that you create the internal safety to express and be yourself courageously in this world. True Transformation is my signature 10-week group coaching program designed to support you to heal from your past and live your life authentically and expressively so that you can experience the world from a deep sense of aliveness, alignment, and you embodied in your unique fire. Want to join us? Head to the link in my show notes and apply today. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Because that was going to be my next question of when these instances come up and the women are listening to this podcast and they know that their boundaries are being crossed, they're feeling disappointed in themselves because they're ready to hold this higher standard. And then something happens with their best friend, with their mum, with their dad, with their boyfriend, with their brother, with their work colleague. And they can feel this is an opportunity here to maybe do something different than what I normally do that creates a lot of internal frustration. I get to use my voice. I get to speak up. But, oh, my God, I can feel like what Carrie said. The throat is clenched. The stomach is crunched. Like My voice has already changed. My shoulders are high. And you've said create space for it or tend to it. What does that woman do in those moments? Yeah, and this is a little bit more of where the skill set, right, that I teach around the nervous system comes in. and Or if you do somatic work, this is where this can be supportive. Uh, if you do breath work, because there is a skill set when I say meeting that anger, that upset, right? I mean, sometimes I can be in a conversation in my head when something's rubbing me and I know I'm like, oh man, this is not okay with me. Mm. And I'm in this space right now where I can feel the fear coming up to my throat and there's something big at stake, right? And I have a couple of choices in that matter. I could go into my head and try to work it out really quick and talk myself through it, which is one option. But the quickest access for me is going right to my body. Mm-hmm. It's just saying like, okay, so the fear, as the fear is rising, it's like rising up into my chest. My breath is now shallow. I'm breathing into my chest. So one thing I do is I drop my breath back down into my stomach. 
And when I do that, it unclenches my stomach, which is where I hold tension. And everyone holds like a core contraction in a different place. Mm. A lot of people do it in their stomach, though. A lot of people hold it in their jaw, a lot in their shoulders, a lot actually in their pelvic floor or their anus. Mm. So like they tighten that up, right? So when you're studying your body and when you can start building a competency around like what are the areas that tighten for me, mm-hmm. you can sort of mitigate and kind of just go past you having to use all that mind chatter and just start working with your body and going like, okay, so the fear is rising. What can I do to support my body, whether it's sending it breath or unclenching a certain area that I know I tighten so that I can actually return to my body in a way that feels more relaxed and less contracted and see if I can stand with the fear. So it's not about getting rid of the fear or uncontracting your body or breathing so that you can just get rid of the fear and say it anyway, because most of the time you'll hold your breath if you try to do that. Mm-hmm. It's really about seeing if you can just bring enough space into your body to have a moment to say, okay, there is fear here. And in this moment, do I have the capacity to be with the fear and say it anyway mm-hmm. with breath? You know, and that's a skill set, that's a training, right? But we can all access that like today. We can all access just going, okay. I feel the fear. It's really the awareness of knowing that a boundary is about to be said. And because it's so, so activating for our nervous system to set a boundary, just knowing that that fear is normal, Mm -hmm. just allowing, oh, fear is here because a boundary is here. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Instead of running away from it and being like, oh my God, I'm so scared. Now I need to cope. I'm in survival, right? Just naming it like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is a really scary place for me to say this. Mm-hmm. And I have to decide in this moment, do I want to build connection from this place of being truthful or do I not have that capacity right now? Mm-hmm. And do I need to sort of fawn? And sometimes we actually just have to fawn. Like, honestly, sometimes we don't have the capacity in that moment. Sometimes we don't feel strong enough. So it's really a building of a muscle mm-hmm. of just every time you're noticing when you're giving yourself away just checking it and starting to notice it and saying, okay, so here I am again, wanting to say what I need to someone's pushing back. And here's the thing. When we go so long without boundaries or being a people pleaser or an overgiver, we essentially are training the people around us that we're going to be that person. So they're yes. going to push. They're going to push. They're going to push back. They're going to be like, come on, let's just do it. You know, my son is a great example of this. When he was little, I felt so much guilt because I had depression when he was born. And like, there's a whole story behind that. But I would give in to him quite easily. And he got a little used to that. So guess what? Now I'm doing a lot of repair there. (laughs) And I'll say no. And I have to reiterate my no. And I have to hold the no. And sometimes I'll get to the point where he's pushing so many times. He knows he's wearing me down. But I'll get to the point where I'm like, I feel like I want to change this no to a yes right now. And then I'll recommit to, okay, but I'm more committed to him knowing that he's safe with a boundary. This is going to build connection for us in this moment. It's hard and it makes me scared that he's going to reject me because I just want to give him everything so that I'm okay. But that's because of my wound, mm-hmm. right? It's not what's actually best for him or my connection. We need that structure to have a healthy, non-codependent relationship. So I get to that place where I'm like, I'm about to say yes, I'm about to say yes, And, you know, I really like come back to my body, take some breaths, really come back to the commitment of am I more committed in this moment to repairing that or 
am I scared? Am I going to give it away? And lately, I've just been so on it with the nope, it's a no, it's a no. And the more I do it and the more I practice it, the more I can see it is retraining him, the safer I see him feeling and the more confident I feel as a mother. Mm, That's amazing. But if we're not addressing the fear that we have, like the wound I have of like, I feel guilty, I just want to give him everything because I fucked up. That's my work to clean up. I've got to come back in the off time and do some work around that forgiveness and just visiting myself of that time and saying, hey, I know that was hard. And, you know, like this is something that I get to heal and love Mm -hmm. and say like this part of me isn't broken and I don't have to fix it by saying yes to my son. There's always a connection underneath of why we're fawning. Mm -hmm. There's always some wound underneath it. Yeah. And so for any woman that's listening that's feeling like, you know what, what I'm hearing is lots of tools to lean in, but I just, I can't, I'm not able to. It's fawning all over my life. What's really the next step for her? Hmm. Well, definitely work on your nervous system. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, here's the thing is like our body, it's always going to win. It's always going to win over cognition, you know, our mindset, right? And as much as we tell ourselves, this time I'm not going to let them walk all over me or I'm not going to let this person gaslight me or I'm not, you know, and then we're back in that situation and all of a sudden it's like we freeze and we're just, we're stuck and we can't say anything and our words go away and we get flooded in our system. That's really an inlet to recognize that there's a relationship with your power that needs some healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you to do it with me or that there's a right way to heal that power or You know, like there's many ways to heal your power, but it's just to start getting curious. And I think Mm -hmm. that's honestly the most powerful place to start of when I'm giving this away, like what is it, how is it taking from me and where am I continuing to lose trust for myself? Mm -hmm. And what is power for me? Like, do I feel empowered by letting this go? Is it more empowered for me to feel liked and accepted and if that's the truth, then there's some place in which you're not trusting yourself and your own depth and your own spirit to be loved. Mm-hmm. So there's a self-love gap there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to address that healing. But, you know, everyone in the world has a fawning response. I think the degree to which we can heal our fawning response, it literally could save the world because we wouldn't be vying for power in all of these weird, funky ways. Because then when we give away ourselves and like what actually matters to us, then we make up for it in funny ways. We try to find our power in ways that aren't actually match for our soul. You know, it gets really distorted how we get into power. It's like we want to rule over people or we want to be the most liked on social media or we need all these external ways to validate where our power is coming from. And it really doesn't have to be that way, right? But there's so much lack of like I keep saying this, I, but it's so true, of our initiation when we're young women to show us what power is. Mm. And so we have to start diving into that so that we're not getting run over by that fear anymore. Mm. And that fear, again, it's always going to be at a body level. So I'm always going to recommend to people work with the nervous system, work with somatics, mm. work with a coach who knows how to hold that, You know, work with the subconscious as well as the conscious mind. Mm. You know, I work on all of them because you've experienced that. But I think that there's so many different people who are offering that because I think people are also recognizing that you can't really sustain growth unless your body is involved. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are a body game, right? It's not words. It's like they're part of the language of how we hold power inside of us. 
So it's a really beautiful metaphor. And when we hold our power, how safe do we feel, right? When people have good boundaries. Mm. When people are clear and we don't have to sidestep or like walk on eggshells and we're like, oh, this person just tells it how it is. So I always know what's up. Mm-hmm. It feels so good, mm-hmm. right? But like so many of us are held back in that because we're so afraid that it's going to disconnect. But when we can reconcile our power and how we are in connection with our bodies and that power comes online, we actually have more capacity to hold relationship in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It's actually really funny because I've referenced the power of the pause, which you taught to me so many times in the podcast. And shared with them in Byron Bay when I asked Alex, hey, we we're sharing a car saying in Byron and I wanted to go to the gym and I turned to him and said, hey, I want to do like a 5 p.m. boxing class. It's about a 10 minute drive away. What's your plans for the afternoon? Would love to take the car. And he turned around and said, hey, let me sit with that for a minute. I'm just going to feel into what feels really good for me. He didn't give me an answer on the spot, which is literally the thing that you and I have been working on me breaking so that I don't make a decision and then decide 24 hours later that wasn't the decision that aligned for me. And in that Mm. moment, it was like witnessing it happen in real time by someone else was like, that is literally the thing that I'm meant to be doing. And it was quite almost like shocking for me to experience because Mm. there was a part of me that was like, hey, I just want to go to the fucking gym and you're forcing to feel into what's right for you. And I was like, hold on. And like 10 minutes later, he was like, yeah, that feels really good. I'm going to go to the gym around the corner. I'll be about an hour and a half. We're able to have a conversation around it, but it was just so interesting to see it play out in real time and almost the expectation that I hold because there would have been a part of me that'd be like, yeah, go to the gym, no problem, and not take a moment for myself to be like, what is actually right for me too? It was almost shocking to witness it. Yeah, I love that you're saying this because it really points to something else that's really, really cool to think about, which is, you know, what would the world be like if... You could just be you all the way as you, and I could just be me all the way as me, right? And like in that moment, as he was saying that, you know, just being like, okay, so like you need to feel into that. You need a moment. That's what you need. Okay, right? And what if that didn't work for you? Like, cool. Then he's taking a pause, right? And yes, it is such a great, I love the pause. And if we love the pause here, you and I love the pause. So yes to the pause. And but what if that didn't work for you, right? Like, what if it didn't work for you to not pause? Not because you were resentful, right? But because it was like, oh, well, I don't actually have time to pause. I need an answer right now. So you get to come back in that moment and say, oh, totally understand the pause. I need to be um, at the gym in like five minutes. So I'm going to let you figure out exactly how you want to get there. That feels great. I'm going to go do this, right? And so the permission, when we have boundaries and other people have boundaries and we allow those boundaries, but we still give ourselves permission for our boundaries if they're stating one, because sometimes... Someone can say a boundary and then we can fond to that and be like, well, they have a boundary. So now I have to live by their boundary. Mm-hmm. Right. But now we all get to figure out the truth of what feels good for us. And you know this mm-hmm. when we are connected to our body and we start feeling into how would it actually feel to do this or that or not do this or that versus being in our heads around okay, what's the right thing to do and who's right and who's wrong, then we actually have quicker access to saying what our truth is. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to like think of all the funky ways in which we need to say it or relay that. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, you feel into that. I have to be there in five minutes. So it feels good for me is I'm going to just go. And then you meet me there or you figure out how you want to get there. Everyone wins. 
<laughs> we all have boundaries. It's like, yeah, we are coordinating action and we're connecting. <laughs> How do we get it? So awesome. <laughs> and then for any woman who this is also asked of me often, I don't even know what the fuck my boundaries are. So if a woman came to you, Carrie, and she's like, I just don't even know what boundaries are, what my boundaries are. How would you, and I know you're most likely going to reference the body, how would she start to tune into that? Well, there's lots of fun ways. I mean, you know, you and I both work with standards. So just really, you know, you could go through every domain of your life, your relationships, your work, and you could start listing out standards, which is great, but that could be a little bit of, you know, of a job as well. And standards meaning like just sort of like your own rules for what okayness feels like in those different domains. Like, okay, if I'm going out to dinner, then I want to make sure everyone offers to pay the bill. Like, that's a standard of mine, you know, whatever. But one really interesting way that you can start understanding what your boundaries are is you can start noticing where you get annoyed or resentful. Mm. Just on an everyday like, oh, that annoyed me. Why do they get to do that, but I don't? Mm. Like those kinds of feelings or, you know, I can't believe that, you know, they're doing that, but I'm still doing this over here. Mm -hmm. And just starting to notice like, well, what is happening? Where am I getting annoyed because I'm not actually stating my needs? Mm -hmm. Where am I getting frustrated or resentful because I'm holding a standard? <laughs> We've talked about this, right? I'm holding a standard or I'm holding an expectation of someone that they don't yet know about. Mm -hmm. So we can do this in a really funny way because it's so much easier to just expect people to make us feel okay mm -hmm. and not have to say the boundary because mm -hmm. then our nervous system doesn't have to go through the process of mm -hmm. enacting it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling like, I don't know what my boundaries are. I would just start an everyday life just looking at what annoys me and where do I feel resentful mm -hmm. and noticing, is there a need or a desire there that I didn't state? Mm -hmm. Is there something I said yes to that I did not want to say yes to? Did I say no when I meant yes? You know, did I say yes when I meant no? Just starting to observe and take stock of that mm -hmm. because that's going to be the quickest way really to inform the ones that really matter to you. I love that. And just to give some context to so the listeners, Carrie and I were speaking about, I have a personal boundary around time and I always show up to work. I'm always on time. I don't reschedule. I like being a commitment to my word. Unless like something crazy happens, I just do what I say specifically in the work environment and I don't like reschedules. So I have a personal internal boundary, whether it's work or podcast or life and friendship. That if someone cancels once and reschedules to the second time, that they absolutely show up to the second time because I don't want to reschedule a third. And once the second reschedule has occurred, I can feel this energy within my body of like, I don't want to record the podcast now. The third podcast, I'm done. I don't want to go to lunch with my girlfriend that's had his tummy ache two times in a row. If it's like a genuine, she's actually really, really fucking sick, I get it. But when it's like, oh, I just don't feel like it, I don't personally enjoy that. I don't feel like it's respectful to my time. Which also, side note, that comes back to your value, yes. like what you personally value and the importance of that value to you of, hey, show up, right? Yeah. So I was talking to Carrie. I noticed that there were a couple of podcast guests and some things that had gone on where they canceled the second time and then wanted to rebook the third. And I felt this uh, feeling of, oh, I feel uncomfortable now to share with them how I'm not interested in booking the third time. But what I was able to uncover in that moment was I didn't actually share with them the second time they went to cancel. It's totally cool. You can cancel now. 
But just so that you know, my boundary is after a second cancellation, I'm not interested in rebooking the third experience. And that's right. Yes. And the key thing you mentioned there is that the third time you felt. Yes. Felt, right? I felt, ooh, right? So there was something that contracted in your body that was, ooh, I don't like that. And that was the informer. So, you know, because you are doing the work and you're doing such a fabulous job on starting to be more informed from your body first, you're starting to clue into those things so much quicker, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's really powerful to watch that and to see like, yes, okay, like now I have more clarity on where my desire gets to be spoken Mm -hmm. and how do I get to create enough safety within myself? You know, how do I get to say that in a way that I don't have to be in a fight energy Mm -hmm. where I know it's okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I just want to highlight from what you just shared is that a lot of the time we can really save ourselves from having to be like, I have a boundary, right? By figuring out what our agreements are, mm-hmm. it's like now you know you have that agreement. So now going forward, you get to say that every time. Mm-hmm. And so it really like get, frees you. It frees you up of just like, oh, yeah. So now people just know when they sign up, like on my schedule or that's there. Hey, two times, you know, first time, cool. I get it. Th- life happens. Second time, that's the last time, right? Like this uh, podcast that I'm consistent with, that I'm committed to, and this is how I need to run it. And it's not personal. Mm-hmm. That's where people get tripped up. Mm-hmm. It's not personal. It's a value you hold. And you guys, we all get to have our values. Mm-hmm. We all get to have like what we feel is important to us. That's our truth. Mm-hmm. And then getting to produce those agreements ahead of time mm-hmm. allows us to relax into that truth. Right. So like the ability to build agreements ahead of time, such a great skill. I love that so much because just to really put a ribbon on this conversation, I was feeling if I booked a third podcast with any podcast guest that had canceled twice, I could feel within my body this energy of I didn't want to show up to it. So if I booked it and like acquiesced, as you say, that would be me self-abandoning because my truth was I didn't want to do it after the second cancellation. And then my other part was I feel bad telling them now when they're like, hey, can't wait to book our podcast in. There was also a sense of like, I feel bad telling them now. It almost felt like I was punishing them. Oh, no, no, I don't book it a third time because I didn't actually set them up for success to know, hey, I'm totally cool with you canceling. It's not good for you. It's not a good time for you. Obviously, don't want you to show. Just for me personally, it won't be a third time. So I was really kind of rupturing what could potentially be something beautiful by communicating. And then I felt bad to communicate afterwards because I didn't set them up to know that they were crossing the boundary. So they're crossing a boundary that they don't even know exists. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you found out when you found out, right? Sometimes we don't know we have a boundary until we're like, ooh, that doesn't feel good. But the more we can connect with that space inside of us of what does feels good. And I mean, most of us don't even have the skill set to listen Mm. Really just listen and even let that listening be okay. You know, we cover it up with things like spiritual bypassing. It's okay, mm-hmm. no worries. So, you, know, you know, it's all good. Love and light, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or we can cover it up with caffeine. Mm-hmm. Okay, all this make it happen, no problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or whatever it is, right? Speed. And it doesn't matter how, like, our pace. There's so many different ways in which we can override the listening. And so the skill set is the listening. The next skill set is how do you activate your voice? How do you build the safety inside of yourself to then bring that listening to life? Mm. Right. And God, it's just like, can you imagine a world where we're all able to do that so beautifully? I'm still always working on it. 
you know, we're all kind of working on our founding response. We're all looking at this when we're in growth and development, you know, especially your clients, right? They're coming to you because they're working on what that power is and how to wield that power, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we do that and we build a skill set for our truth and our listening, then we're really being a stand for our sovereignty. Like we Mm -hmm. can be free. We don't have to rely on everything and everyone else to save us or make us feel okay. We don't have to be codependent with the world, right? Mm -hmm. We can actually mean these things and hold. We can Mm -hmm. stand for them with dignity. Mm -hmm. So I love that. All right. Last two questions. I know that you have a daughter, a beautiful daughter named Itzy. And I also know that you speak about power frequently and you have throughout this podcast. If Itzy came to you and asked what power is, what would you say to her? Ooh, that's a pretty intense pop quiz. I got to think about that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, the first thing I would honestly do is I would say, what do you think power is? Because I wouldn't want to take the power... I like the power from her to say what her power is, mm-hmm. which, by the way, sometimes I feel like that's a part of like where I see coaches tripping up a little bit is telling people what their power is or, you know, not to say that they can't activate them and say, hey, you're amazing. And here's how we see you're powerful. We can reflect and mirror. But so many times, right, we want to be the person who knows we find so much validation and and we find a distortion of power there like oh i i know how to say what power is because you see me as powerful so i'm going to tell you what powerful is so sometimes i just like to throw it back right Mm. but you know if she kept asking me i don't know i guess at this age she's four so if she was really asking at this age i would probably bring it back to nature Mm -hmm. you know just so that she could tangibly see like well it's the wind you know the wind is power and lightning all those things have power and those things you can feel those things inside your body. Mm. You know, and I'd probably want to bring it back to the listening to the body because I feel, of course, in my ethos, that's where so much of the power is. It's where we really do that conversation we can have with our body and supporting our nervous system, et cetera. That's where I find so much power existing mm. in my experience lately, you know. But yeah, I would just love to hear her answer. I think I'm going to ask her. Now that you asked me that question. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to hear what she says. <laughs> Oh, okay. Thank you so much for being on the show twice now and everything that you do to impact my life and support me. Final question. What does it mean to carry a Zuma to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? Oh, I get to answer this again. That's so fun. I mean, just very simply put, to open my heart. Mm-hmm. Just open my heart to people, to allow humans to be humans, to give them their humanness and to take mine. Mm. That's the simplest way I feel like I can answer that question. Mm, you're amazing for all the listeners that would love to enter your world where can they find you oh well at carrie zuma on instagram or mm. carrie zuma on facebook my website's still under construction one day one day it'll be up but that's where all my content on my link tree is where all of my you know my newsletter everything if you want to get more information on my work it's all there so i just want to say thank you so much for having me here it's such a pleasure to be in your space i think you're such an incredible leader and i love the work you're doing Thank you so much, my love. I love you. Love you too. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.